what's going on today is friday the 13th this is ninja of another color podcast uh rate us review us give us five stars give us four stars give us three stars give us two stars give us some kind of rating that doesn't know how we're doing if we don't i think i'm awesome you can reach us on spotify amazon music samsung podcast pandora Google Podcasts, tune in and wherever you get your podcast except Apple Podcasts. We're still working on that. On today's show, we're going to talk about DeMar Hammond, Skip and Shannon, the Falcons offseason, Bad Batch 1, 2, and 3, the blowout, Ant-Man, and relationship stuff. So, let's get it started. start out today the 13th with an injury that happened uh, more than seven <coughs> excuse me seven days ago DeMar Hammond collapsed on the field because of heart cardiac arrest and this shows how the nation comes together once we have a crisis so for people that don't happen that didn't know that yes they are there is an inherent risk when you're on the field and here's a doctor that will explain what it was. Check this out. What we just witnessed tonight is one of the most rare things we can see in sports medicine. As DeMar Hamlin went down with what appeared to be cardiac arrest after taking this hit on the field. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dr. Brian Suter. And on this channel, I try to teach you about the sports medicine world and give you some insight into what we see on the field. What we saw happen tonight is not related to any sort of vaccines. This is almost certainly something called commotio cordis, an extremely extremely rare condition that's one of those things that we typically only think we're going to read about in textbooks. Essentially what can happen is if you have a blunt trauma to the chest that occurs at exactly the right time in the cardiac electrical cycle, your heart can be sent into cardiac arrest. As Hamlin comes in here we can see this square hit to the front of his chest. We see him get back up momentarily before ultimately collapsing back down to the ground and requiring CPR on the field. This is a tracing of our heart's electrical activity. Basically, this is one cycle of the heart squeezing. It starts off with this P wave, which is the electrical activity of the atrium at the top of the heart squeezing. 
then the QRS complex, which is going to be the ventricles acting, but then the last phase is this T wave, where the ventricle basically depolarizes and kind of resets to get ready for the next cycle. For commotio cordis to happen, you have to suffer this blunt trauma to the chest at exactly the right moment, specifically on this upstroke of the T wave in order for the heart to then be sent into this arrhythmia and subsequent cardiac arrest. This is one of those things that not only do you have to have a high enough force, but it has to happen within milliseconds of a time window because if that impact comes at any other time in this electrical cycle, you're fine. You don't go into this. But when it happens at just this right time during this upstroke of the T wave, and if it's high enough, then you can have this thing called commotio cordis. We typically think of it happening in baseball players whenever they get hit in the middle of the chest with a hard thrown ball, but unfortunately that looks like what is most likely to have happened here with Hamlin. Treatment like this is obviously CPR and defibrillation as quickly as possible because this can absolutely be a life-threatening thing. Again, this is not something that people should go speculate about vaccines or anything like that causing this cardiac arrest. There was a clear contact, a clear trauma, and I think a clear reason why Unfortunately, this happened for Hamlin. My thoughts and prayers go out to the player, go out to his family, everybody else there on the field, the medical staff taking care of him. This is an extremely, extremely serious thing. One of those conditions that, like I said, you hope, you pray, you never actually see as a medical provider. Hopefully this was educational. Let me know as always any questions or comments down below. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the doctor explained a one in 1,000% chance that he got hit at the right time with his on a downbeat, downbeat of his heart. And it didn't help that he was outweighed by a bigger man by like 40 or 50 pounds. Yes, Hamlin's a little slender in the butt. He's like maybe 200, 200 generously. And he got hit by a bigger man in the middle of his chest and his heart stopped. And yes, you crazy zealots, no, it's not a vaccine thing. I will talk about the vaccine um, conspiracy that's that's for my political podcast, uh, Common Sense Pod. Yeah, check that out. But this was just a, a freak incident that happened on a smaller man when a bigger man hit him on the field. And everybody was praying for him. Yeah, so let's go ahead to my favorite guy, Coach Herm, uh, the day after. Check it out time and then on the college level most recently Herman and so as you have now been as the rest of us processing this for the last 10 hours or however long it has been what what thoughts are going through your mind today Herman well it's, it's difficult to process it all um, I, I was reflecting last night when I visited with my wife she was watching the game in California and I was sitting in the hotel room watching the game I've been involved in this game for 55 years 55 years as a player, a high school player, college player, professional player, and as a coach, and uh, never witnessed anything like this for 55 years. Never, and, and, and you know, when you, when you sit there and you watch this, the first thing that comes to my mind as a coach, what do you say to your players? How, 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 what, what am I supposed to say? There's no, there's no playbook for this. You sit there and you watch this and going, well, is he going to be okay? Because that's all players want to know. I say this is a former player. You know, players get injured. You understand this. This is a game of competitive violence within the framework of the rules. And there's injuries. You see that. And players, you know, generally you go over there, the coach goes over there, and the, and the player's down, and 
you ask him, he's okay, coach him, will be okay, and, you know, and then he leaves the field, and everybody kind of goes back to doing what they do. This last night was an eerie feeling, and you could tell as it continued to, to stay quiet, something was wrong. Something was visually wrong when you watched this, right? And there's no answers for this. You know, this is a game that, and Ryan said, a career. Football is not a career. It's an opportunity. You have a short shelf life as a football player. As a player. It's going to end. It ends. It just ends. Sometimes it ends after high school. Sometimes it ends after college. Sometimes it ends after pro football. But there's no, there's no time set we're saying that you get to play so long. No, it's an opportunity. And I used to tell players that all the time. And when you go on the field, man, you got an opportunity, right? And you want to get through the day as a coach. In my mind, I always used to pray for my players. When we just went to practice, that they get through the day. Just get through the day. Where there's no injuries, right? You pray that I prayed that every day before I walked on the football field. As a coach, I just want to make sure my players walk off the field together, right? And when you watch this last night, you go, a five-minute break? What do you mean a five-minute break? There's no five-minute break. You can't play. That's the first thing that came to my mind. They cannot go back and play this game. We don't know what is wrong with our teammate right now. We're not going to play football. And, and so the league, you know, came around and said, hey, we're, we're postponing the game. Correct thing to do. There's no way these players can play. There was, it, was, it, was, it was not even close. What I took from this was this, that we play this game and we coach this game that we all love. We have all these fans that love the game of football. This is not normal. This is not what we anticipate seeing. We don't know how to we don't know how to process this. We're angry, we're emotional right now. We have no answers. Really, I've never seen this. Yeah. I, I, I think, I've never witnessed anything like this in 55 years. Yep. Coach uh, 55 years saying what we all said. It was scary. And this shows that, yes, we are, we love football. Yeah, we love football so much. We will come together and support this young gentleman who, spoiler alert, or not spoiler alert, he made a miraculous recovery because he was young. <clears throat> Excuse me again. He was young. Uh, he was on a ventilator. He breathing on his own now. He had a charity that, that had, what? 2,500 2,500 before he got hurt and then after that it skyrocketed like four and a half million dollars and still going so as a country we can get together uh, the fallout from this was the one that everybody loved to hate Skip Skip Bayless made an insensitive I don't know if it was an insensitive tweet but a lot of people said he was the right person at the right time and he put up a tweet about the game instead of the guy he should have waited blah 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 but this sparks a controversy that Shannon Sharp didn't come in the day after and everybody's talking about a breakup so let's play the clip hey, uh, Shannon, I understand. Good morning yes. Good morning. 
Uh, there's been a lot of speculation on why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yep. Time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me, All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back. Skip, well, I thought, Skip, just let that. I, 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 no, no, I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanation. So clearly, somebody no, they did talk. not have the, nobody. Let's go, Jen. Thoughts and prayers remain with Demar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, and not on the football game. Yes, let's go, Jen. Thank you. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here from this claim. You clearly. Yep. Skip Bellis. Everybody loved to hit from that clip. Is yeah, man. He did the right thing. He didn't want it to be about him and the tweet, so he didn't come to work the next day. And Skip Bayless came up, and he had a hard heart, hard, half-hearted, tear-filled, fake apology about the tweet. Nobody cared. And just like everything, ADD, we're moving on. They're doing the show. Like, nothing happened, so, in my opinion, yep, they're destined for a split. Shannon has his, um, Shay Shay Club, and Skip's gonna move on to the next guy. And, moving on to our next topic, the college football playoff. The crazy thing about it is that the college football playoff was a snorer. A real snorer that they shouldn't have had. I don't know why, but they did. Uh, the two best games were Ohio State, Michigan, and no, Ohio State, uh, Georgia, and and um, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan, and TCU. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that was just nuts how they did them like that. But they did. They did them dirty. They only scored seven points. Seven points, I told you. Seven points. So, without further ado, check it out. Swagger is in as the biggest favorite championship game in recent decades. Almost two touchdowns. 
Second straight westward road trip for the guys from Fort Worth. Trying to shock the world tonight. They kick it to him. And Davis will leave it in the end zone. And CCU with a smaller alumni base and enrollment has showed up in big numbers in L.A. This is McIntosh, who's an excellent back, running and receiving out of the backfield. Empty backfield. Bennett steps up, fires across the middle, and it's Brock Bowers with an early catch. Watch Bennett looks left, trying to move the linebacker, creates a nice throwing lane, and puts it right on the money. TCU gave up some big plays early in that opening drive against Michigan and squeezed and forced the... Uh, Keeper, Bennett, gets a block. Georgia draws first blood. Like the game against Ohio State, clicking quickly. Bennett, one little cut and the smooth run into the end zone. Frogs could use a break. It's Davis in motion. He's got it in the jet sweep. There he is, Davis. Blazing fast, lost the ball, it's on the ground. A scrum right near the TCU bench. Georgia says they've got it, and they do. Bowers made a cut, and some more fronts were on roller skates there. Couldn't change with him. Bennett on the move, delivers high, and it's Led McConkey going up and making the grab. So Georgia gets the fumble recovery, kept out of the end zone, but builds a 10-0 lead midway first quarter. Second down against the three-man runs, launching downfield. Darius Davis is wide open, has to wait in the throw, but weaves his way down inside the 15. It's a coverage bust and a big play, desperately needed. Sometimes Quentin Johnston... As an NFL first-round type of guy, to the middle of the field, and it opened it up to the outside to Barber. Plowing ahead, and Darius Davis and third and one. That's Johnson in motion. Dug in with the keeper scores. A touchdown run for each quarterback, and TCU fights back. Nice drive possibility of the run. Look at the man-to-man -man just clears out the defensive back here. It just opens up. Very simple for Duggan. An easy read. Some things to figure out here in the early going. McConkie on the edge gets some blocks and that McConkie looks like he's got some of that explosive ability back. It's an 11-yard game. By far the most targeted receiver in this offense. McIntosh running to the right. Bounces off a tackle. Another big game. This Georgia ground game was churning early. First down. Bennett looked to pitch it to the edge. Now picks it up and now does find McConkey in some space. And he's going to be wrestled out inside the 40 by Bud Clark, but it's right near the marker. It is another first down. Not dealing with much pressure at all when he does drop back to throw. The play action. Bennett looks down the middle. McConkey's wide open. Touchdown, Dogs. Seven-yard strike. Another clever play design 
and masterful execution so far by the dogs. Look at TCU's defense. They're not even lined up. They react late here, and now you got motion. So right away there's confusion. Here's the bus right here by T Tomlinson. See the back coming out of the backfield? He sees him, lets the receiver McConkie go downfield. So there's a lot. And then if you do, then you can create some one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside when you get him down. The play fake ball is zipped underneath, and that's Wiley. He's a big, tough matchup problem. 6'7", 255, played a couple years at Texas, but he's blossomed at TCU. Where we were in the middle of the year. It's the right tackle, Andrew Coker, a three-year starter who appears to be struggling at the moment. Keep an eye on that. Doug so looking to throw. Pressure on first down, and they get him. It was a good coverage sack, but finally, Michael Williams, the true freshman, has become the best pass rusher. Bennett has all kinds of time. Launches for Bowers again, who makes the catch in TCU territory. Break that huddle quickly. I think it's causing some miscommunication for the TCU defense, and they're trying to catch up to it. It's Jamoy Hodge, and that is a really difficult thing to do for a big linebacker at 245 pounds to stay up with Bowers, who is one of the fastest tight ends we've seen. The ball better come out quickly in an empty set. Snap it at two. He's immediately pressured. Winters chasing Bennett, 13 versus 13, but the quarterback wins that battle. You blitz. You think you got speed? Do not underestimate what Stetson Bennett can do man-to-man. -man. All those defenders have their backs turned to the quarterback. Some fresh bodies in for TCU. They got backups to go on the defensive front. McIntosh around the corner, barrels down, another first down. First and goal for Georgia. 11th play of the drive. Bennett keeping all the way and just sauntering into the end zone. His second rushing touchdown and Georgia throwing haymakers and building a big lead now. Move with the receivers. Nobody on the edge of that defense. We saw Bennett score a touchdown like that against Ohio State. Look at how easy that is for Broderick Jones, 59. He's trying to look for somebody to block. Milton's trying to find somebody. Normally he lines up on the left almost every time. Duggan sidesteps the rush, launches downfield. Johnson, the intended receiver, but it's picked off. Javon Bullard patrolling the deep middle of the field, and it's the second takeaway for the Dogs defense. Free release off the line of scrimmage. Everything you would want on third down, but because of the pressure with that blitzing linebacker, Dumas Johnson. Bursting up the middle. And barreling down to the 30-yard line is McIntosh. TCU backs off, rushes three, plays coverage. Bennett down the middle. Catch made, Bowers. Doesn't matter how many guys you put in coverage, they can't cover him or tackle him. Milton, no problem. Georgia overpowering TCU. In there to make a nice play. Duggan, swarmed and knocked down. Georgia relentless on both sides. Bear Alexander. A true freshman joining the party. Duggan stands and delivers, but it's intercepted. Made a mistake, and Javon Bullard has had a huge first half with takeaway number three. And no, Georgia is not done in the first half.
And I think that affects Duggan and his timing. It's a long throw, and it's late. You have two defenders there. He read man-to-man, but George is sitting in zone, 88 in his face, and he throws it. Nice job by Bullard jumping it, and Bennett's taking another touchdown right here. Carter just threw aside one ball. their worst defended route. Those routes down the seam in the middle. Bennett looking this time to the edge. Mitchell, one-handed catch for a touchdown. And the highlight reel continues. Newton's fighting to try to get that ball back. That's just brought in with his body and his right hand to try to secure it. Newton never really gives up on the play as they hit the ground. <laughs> See what they do here. And off to the right side. They just continue to rip off chunks of yardage. That's Kenny Milton. Bennett still got it. Looking to throw in first down. Flips it to Bowers. This is where we began. And Bowers pours it on. Weaves his way deep into TCU territory. Finally wrestled down. Sixth catch of the night for the big fella from Napa. TCU fans hoping that uh, we'll create some kind of a turnaround here. But that's reaching a bit. Ball to the end zone. Bowers. Touchdown. And Bennett continues to dazzle. And Brock Bowers showing that he is one of the elite athletes in this sport. <laughs> Doug in pressure again on the run. Hasn't really been able to get loose and hurt Georgia as a scrambler tonight. Makes positive yards and does move the six that time. Sacked a couple of times through two interceptions when pressured by the dogs. Looking to throw in first over the middle. Low throw. And we're going to gather it there. Catch is made. They ran it and threw it. Overmatched tonight. Duggan hammered. Collected the snap and collided with Big Bear Alexander. The true freshman has made two big plays tonight. Was not going to be out here, but at least he's enjoying it at home. Edwards went to the right, breaking tackles. And you know that Bulldogs are that kind of system being effective because he distributes the ball and he's intelligent. Third and eight, right down the seam. There's Big O, Darnell Washington, joining the tight end party tonight down to the 11-yard line. In the first in 30 years for Georgia. Bennett wants more. Goes to the end zone. McConkie with another touchdown catch. Not done dominating yet. They've hit half a hundred now. Oh, that's his that's his guy, McConkie. He's now equaled Joe Burrow's record in the BCS and CFB eras. That's 25 years. Six touchdowns responsible for. Four pass, two run for Bennett. Burrow threw for five, ran for one, and that route in the Superdome over Clemson in the championship game three years ago. They've already done a lot tonight. Alexander and Williams. Slant. Davis has some space. Darius Davis made a cut and then stumbled forward. Inside the Georgia 40 early stages of the second quarter. Duggan on third and long puts a short. DeMarcado's hit behind the line immediately by Kamari Lassiter in his fourth down and long. They don't use the portal. Be, they don't have to. It's a Stetson Bennett curtain call here. Here we go. Bennett. Caps a career that began with no scholarship offer in Georgia. He'll leave with a legacy. Unlike anybody else at this school, 
two-time national championship quarterback. No doubt, most outstanding player in his fourth playoff game. Disney's got to do a, a movie on that. Beck now spelling him. Keeps the beat going to Kiaris Jackson. I mean, listen, if he came in as a five-star. All along. Folks in Blackshire like to say, hey, we believe from the start. That was a rallying cry a year ago when he won his first championship. Back on a slant. That's a good-looking throw to Dylan Bell, a true freshman. There's that arm. Wanted him out before the Michigan game for that. Inside, who's that good looking freshman? Branson Robinson, who's still running by the way, dragging people into the end zone. Actually, they're gonna spot him just short, not quite a touchdown, but shows you the strength that you were just admiring. Oh my god, hard if not harder than the starters. He's got it again, and this time will not be denied. They haven't signaled yet, he's gonna be falling in the end zone. It's finally a touchdown off the ball linebackers with their blitz. Four true freshmen in the field at the moment for Georgia's defense. And they continue to get after the veteran quarterback and drop him behind the line. That's Tyke Smith. <laughs> it completes it. Fourth and six. Georgia brings pressure again. And down goes Duggan. That's true freshman Jalen Walker. Aggression from the first play. And it hasn't let up. Hung in, hung in. Quarterback of some not very good teams. Took over this team. And let's go to Branson Robinson one more time. And the freshman just scoots in. And Georgia hits the 60. It was 17-7. They immediately answered yeah. CCU score and then got off the field again. Um, I, I think things became desperate. the right side, Savon Clark, and the beat goes on as the backups continue to make plays. Holly? Kirby just got the, the bucket. Remember last year, they wanted Nindy, and he's like off to recruiting. I was like, man, you can, if you win this, you're going to enjoy this? Oh, we got the roster to get ready. Oh, they missed him. It looks like he's enjoying this one. Back to back, man. You do not see this in college football. But the Georgia Bulldogs bludgeoned their way to back-to-back. Glory, glory, Georgia, as the fight song says. Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, 65-7, 65. The backups are doing backup things, and they poured it on them because TCU was not ready for the SEC. They're playing a five-five, a three-five-five, or something like that, and they were getting their ass whooped. That's how bad it was. They were getting their ass whooped. Now, for three hundred and sixty-five days, we have to be annoyed by Georgia fans. Yes, annoyed by Georgia fans. Living in the state of Georgia with Georgia fans, it's going to be annoying. But guess what? Next year. As I, we predicted, it will be Georgia and Florida State for the national title, and Florida State wins it. You heard it here first. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. You heard it here first. All right. Moving on to the pros. Uh, the season over, and we're doing... This is Wild Call Weekend, but we're going to look back to Week 17 with the Falcons. Shoe in passing, and they do throw a lot of 
of short passes to extend their running game. And they can mix it up a little bit with the speedster Tompkins, another rookie, as he takes it. Ten play this Tampa drive. It's a blitz from Dean Pease. Brady lost it for the end zone. And it is the 50th touchdown of Kyle Rudolph's career. And here's what I love. Watch the swim move. I mean, no question that Rudolph at one point, he was a defensive lineman right there with the swim move over the top. <laughs> Just making it easy. And off to the rookie, Tyler Algier. And that was Joe Tryon Shoyinko who got into the backfield first. And I'm telling you what, this is going to be the new trend going forward. And they bring five on this one, and they get to Ritter. He finds Drake London on the move out past the 35-yard line. They convert on third down, rookie to rookie. <laughs> 30 pounds. Here is Algier. He's got a lot of running room, and he gets inside the 25-yard line. And Keith Smith was part of that blocking core. That was a lot of yards before anybody touched Algier. The 23 is Algier again. And Tyler Algier with purpose inside the 10-yard line. Make it to Algier. Ritter rolling. Ritter floats it. It is caught for his first NFL touchdown. Michael Pruitt snares it, and Ritter's got his score. You want to talk about keeping the play alive? You're running through traffic. You're getting bumped. You're getting hit. You're getting held. <laughs> Just keep going, man. Fire. Get off me. Just find a way to get yourself open. I tell you what, that is great effort to put an offensive line together that's been able to compete. Third grab for Chris Godwin, and that ball may have come out loose near the 35-yard line. Atlanta's already claiming that it has it. Hawkins is very fired up for it. See Troy Anderson claiming that it should be Atlanta ball. And these are the things that have just derailed this offense. I mean, last week, Godwin puts it on the ground in yep. the first drive. And indeed, Godwin lost it. That is oh. as picture-perfect of a punch. Peanut Tillman is smiling somewhere. Richie Grant punched it out of Godwin's hand. But Godwin's doing everything right. As Ritter takes over from the 34. Inside pressure. Ritter has time. Launches end zone for Alama de Zacchaeus, and it's incomplete in double coverage. Winfield was the main defender. Their identity, simply because offensively, they've had so many struggles. Yeah. Young Wei Koo from 49 hit the game winner at the Horn against Arizona last week. It continues to be rock solid on anything inside of 50. There's nobody that knows Tom Brady better than him. There is a nice move by Keyshawn Vaughn. He got the first down maneuvering around Richie Grant. And he ends up running it. Bucks are averaging five per carry. That play got absolutely destroyed by Grady Jarrett. Arizona suffered a game-winning field goal at the hands of both of these teams in back-to-back -back weeks. It was cool last week. It was suck-up two weeks ago. Ritter. Oh, he tried to fling it. That just slipped out of his hands. And the Bucks 
will take it away. It belongs to Devin White. Just completely slipped out of the hand of Ritter. Look at Enzo. And it is hauled in for the touchdown by Gage, who may have gotten the worst of it as he was matched up with Terrell. Career high fifth touchdown for Gage. Well, he just gets the one-on-one. -on -one. We talked about AJ Terrell out there. Little back shoulder fade, and he falls on. But great job adjusting the ball in the air. See how Gabbert keeps it on the outside portion of the wide receiver, and he he holds on to it. Blitz off the edge, picked up by Algier. He still got hit in rear, and he threw it on target to Pruitt. The longest catch of Pruitt's season. Here comes Algier, and another first down. It's first and goal. Option play, Ritter pitches in. Oh, that got dangerous. Algier was able to corral it. It'll end up being a loss on the play, but yeah, how much tighter you got to be with all that speed out there on both ends of the field. 24-yarder for Youngway Coop. They've got the money to spend in the offseason yeah. in free agency, so they can address those needs. Camarda delivers. Avery Williams has the backup. That's a boomer of a punt, but it's going to head to the end zone. Hoping to make another impact in the sophomore campaign next year. Here's Algier. And Algier slips ahead. Works it out to the 50-yard line. And that's one thing they've been trying to do, really force these edges and make that running back cut back in to the heart. There it is again. Trying to maneuver, and right on cue, Tryon Shoink is right there for Ritter. Not buying time. Reclimbing the pocket. Throws on the move, and he's got his man for a first down. Nicely maneuvered to find Anthony Furkser. Ritter, looking for another one. It's a wide-open Olamide Zacchaeus for the touchdown. And the Falcons jump out in front late in the third. All right, would you get this blitz coming in here, voiding that area? Oh, okay. Well, I'll just throw it right in that hole where you void it. Zacchaeus finding the soft spot. And Ritter with another touchdown. FaceTimed into the team. I got to communicate with him just... Just good updates all throughout this week, and just good news to hear. Bernard gets hit hard. Good play by Lorenzo Carter for a loss. What a star at left tackle. So consistent. Ritter launches. Got a man. It's London. It's a big gainer inside the 40 at Tampa Bay. Well, I love the fact that first and foremost, dealing with the pressure, watch him climb the pocket, climb up. Get out of that pressure, and then the double move by Drake London to get stacked on top of the cornerback. Really nice job at the top of his route, and the confidence to know, yeah. that's where I want to go with it. Go ahead, let it eat. And to Patterson, he walks in. It's a touchdown for Atlanta. They're picking off where they left off at the end of the game last week against Arizona. Yeah, put a starting drive together. In that game against Arizona for a touchdown, ended that into that game of the fourth quarter. Get, you get to a hot streak at just the right time, timing, a little fortuitous nature of this game. Big run, Tyler Algier, he's not done yet. 
His career high came in that game against New Orleans a few weeks back. He had 139. He is closing Watch in. the combination right here between these two working the line of scrimmage to the second level and just a cut back by Algier and then just the race to the sideline. You don't have to beat people. You don't just have to run by people. It's about your ability in those first 8 to 10 yards. Six yards away from what would be a new career high for Algier. some yardage here. She gets swallowed up by D. Delaney. Blitz coming. Ritter stands in, throws on target. First down to Zacchaeus. Nicely done. Falcons got a key win against, or uh, Steelers got a key win against Atlanta here a few weeks back. Going up top for Zacchaeus, incomplete. Fourth and eight coming up. I'll be curious to see if they leave the offense out there yet again. So it's, it's nice to see those type of guys get rewarded, get the opportunities. Nice job by Cooey. Kept that straight. And did not play Philadelphia in the regular season this year, but remember they beat Philadelphia in the playoff game, the wild card game last year when they shut down that impressive Philadelphia rushing attack. Trask on fourth down, looking at it's incomplete. Yeah, there's a barn burner, too, with the Jets and Dolphins. What do you got? 6-6 right oh, now, so... Hey. Game of imports with little scoring. Avery Williams trying to get away. He cannot. That is Mifadio Denable on the tackle. And you run for Williams. Trying to pick it up. Oh, he picked it up. He got the first down. That should do it. You know who's disappointed? Kyle Trask because he wanted to go deeper. <laughs> he wanted want to take one more deep shot. One more. Yep, the final score was 30 to 17. 30 to 17. This is the first win the Falcons got against Tom Brady. And it does count. And after the season, Dean Pease retired. And currently, right now, the Falcons. Ended the season at 7-10. and 10. They currently have the 8th pick in the draft. And right now they have 60, uh, probably 60, 61 million. But it can be, excuse me, can be um, uh, between 74 and 89 with, with moves that it can do by cutting people and extending people. So they have a chance to improve on... The defense and the offense. They need a, I think a, a left guard, maybe a center, another wide receiver, pass rush, and another corner. They set at most positions and just fill it in with depth. A backup quarterback you can get a backup quarterback easy. I don't understand why what's his name quick, but he did. So. They will go ahead and do that this year. Um, they are going to be on the East-West Shrine or the um, Senior Bowl staffs in the coming months. So they'll check them out. So hopefully they'll get a pass, see a password they like and have enough room for to get that. At this point, we can put a sponsor right here. Yeah, you can put have your business sponsored right here by Ninja Do Another Call Podcast. 
rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us any stars. If you don't give us any stars, we'll just assume that we are perfect. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Everything except Apple. We're working on the Apple side. Okay, right now, this is since this is Wild Card Weekend, we're going to go ahead and listen to some predictions. And then we'll go ahead and give our own. Check it out. Well, it is time for Brady Quinn's playoff predictions. Doesn't quite have the same ring as Pete Prisco's playoff predictions, but here we are. We're going to start off by looking at his wildcard weekend picks here and who Brady believes will advance past the wildcard. We're going to continue to break down those games all the way down through the Super Bowl. So Brady Quinn here joining me on the desk, and we're going to work our way through this. So we're going to start off in the divisional rounds. So... Starting in the AFC, you had the Chargers beating the Jags and moving on to face the Chiefs in the AFC divisional round. You like the Chiefs there. Then the Bengals coming out on top against the Ravens versus the Bills, who you think will get the win over the Dolphins. So you're going to go with Cincy. So break down your AFC. Okay. From what I'm seeing, he is saying it's the Eagles and the Giants in the divisional, the Bucks and the 49ers. The Bengals and the Bills in the divisional. So, so if everything goes as the way he says, the Chiefs and the Bills will meet in the AFC Championship game, and that will be in Atlanta because of the Demar Hamlin injury. I don't think the Bucks will beat the, the Cowboys this weekend. Everybody's saying because they're at home they win, but I don't think so. Uh, so it, it'll be, I think it's 49ers versus Dallas, Eagles versus Giants, Chiefs versus Chargers, Bills versus Bengals, and then you got the Bills versus Bills versus Chiefs in Atlanta. Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. You have. Bucks and the 49ers, the 49ers versus the Eagles, and the Eagles and the 49ers are 40, uh, I think the Eagles will go to the Super Bowl this year, and the Chiefs will win. That's just mine, but let's go ahead and listen to Brady Quinn, watch the quarterback. The championship game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah, Chiefs and, and Bengals, you know, really to me, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have had Patrick Mahomes' number. And so that's – I don't know that you'll find a team that's playing better football right now in the AFC. They've won eight in a row now. Uh, the offense is clicking on all cylinders. I think people are almost, like, afraid to say it because the season Patrick Mahomes has had since Mahomes is going to win the MVP. But Joe Burrow might be playing even better right now, might be the hottest quarterback in the NFL. The defense has been improved from a team that went to the Super Bowl just a year ago. So I think they've got Kansas City's number. And I think that's a team that Kansas City in some of these playoff games – as good as they've been, they always get to the AFC Championship game. It's about who they're facing, how they match up, if they can beat them. The Bengals can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. And I think they once again return back to the Super Bowl this year. All right, we're going to look at the NFC side now. So the Giants getting the win over the Vikings, facing off against the Eagles. And you're sticking with Philly there. Then the Bucks with the win over the Cowboys on Monday night, facing the Niners, who you claim will defeat the Seahawks. So we have the Eagles against San Fran the NFC championship. That's right. I think when you look at the NFC playoff picture, obviously you've got some big spreads. There's some teams that I'm not going to say don't belong. They've obviously earned the right to be there, but maybe you maybe are out, outmatched at this point. 
the San Francisco 49ers are the hottest team in the NFL. They're one ten in a row. Even though they have a rookie quarterback starting for them, they're not putting him in a position where he has to go win the game for his team. And I think the one example we do have of that, the Las Vegas Raiders game, he, he was able to deliver. So the bottom line is, with the addition of Chris McCaffrey, this offense is as dynamic as it gets. Debo Samuel is getting healthier. He'll come back and factor into this mix. And they got the number one defense in the NFL. So I love the chances of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, Figuring out a way of finding their way to the NFC Championship game and then taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, who only have to win one game. That's another team that's got a very deep roster. I know there's some questions about Jalen Hurts and his health and how it's all going to plan out. He's got a couple of weeks to heal up. I think they find their way to meet the San Francisco 49ers, and we get an NFC Championship game in Philly, in the conditions. And at the end of the day, I, I just I think the 49ers are that team that's going to be able to run the football effectively. Purdy's going to be able to do enough to be able to get the 49ers into the Super Bowl. We're going to see a Bengals-49ers Super Bowl matchup. Nope, I disagree. It will be Chiefs-Eagles. Chiefs-Eagles, and just because I hate um, Kyle Shanahan, yes, they will lose in the AFC Championship game, and they will not win that. Thank you. I think you would say that at the beginning of the year. Purdy is going to do enough. I mean, look, the reality is, you know, we've we've already seen Jimmy Garoppolo get there Mm -hmm. with a similar formula. You know, a great ground game, solid defense, not asking them to do too much, and that almost won them a Super Bowl, if not for a big play by Patrick Mahomes, obviously, to Tyree Kill. So um, I think they've got all those same components. I think if you look at their roster, too, the amount of uh, all-pro caliber players they've got on offense in particular – it's, a, it's as loaded as it gets. So they just need him to, to manage that that game and when called upon, make a few throws here and there. Yeah, they're going to set him up for success there. Okay, so you laid it out there. You think San Fran versus Cincinnati. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Here's the crazy thing. You know, we hear this guy here. Nope, it's not going to be San Fran and Cincinnati. It's going to be the Eagles and the Chiefs, the two number one seeds, and the Chiefs will win another Super Bowl. Again, here we go. This is a part that we can have a sponsor. You can sponsor your business on the Ninjas of Another Color podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars. Give us any stars. If you don't give us any ratings, we'll just assume we are perfect. We are available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. And we're not on Apple. We're working on that. Also, for our listeners, uh, we are doing a giveaway of Bluetooth headsets. Once we get to 100 followers, 100 followers, not 100 downloads, 100 followers. And you email us at Ninjas of Another Color Podcast at Google or hit us up on Instagram at Ninjas of Another Color. We'll do that giveaway for our 100th follower. All right, moving on. We are going to check out the what? The new Ant-Man trailer. Check it out. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. Help 
trust him. I don't care who this guy is. I just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. Day weekend, Ant Man in the Quantum Mania, and you have Modoc. But my question is, why is Kang black? I thought Glang was blue. In the cartoon, he was blue. In the comic books, he was blue, but they have him as a black man. They really couldn't find a blue man to play him. Uh, he's gonna use. Uh, love of his child to uh, have him steal something for him but it is what it is but like I said it's a good movie it's uh I think the start of phase five yeah phase five or phase four so uh, it looks like it's gonna be good I, I, I'm gonna stream it before I go to the movie theater and see it in 3D so should be good I think um, the Wasp mom, she probably had a relationship with him before. That's why she doesn't trust him. And we're going to explore that. Okay, moving on. Guess what is back? Bad Batch. Yes, Bad Batch is back. One of the best programs on Disney+. Plus. Episodes 1, 2, and 3 have already dropped. We're going to review the first one. This is the best scenes from... Episode 1, check it out. Empire, huh? 
juicy. You told her. Don't get twitchy. This one's too big. This one's too small. This one's got a face tattoo. Got a name? Brown eyes. Tech. Our that is Castle Sereno, the former home of Count Duke. Who's that? A Jedi who betrayed the Republic. Dooku's entire war chest is up for grabs. You want that war chest? You go after it. And we want to go after the war chest. Even Killjoy over here agreed. The contents of just one of those containers would be worth more than all the jobs you pulled for me could have a future. Isn't that what you're after? Our lives are like this because of Omega. Taking her off Camino was the right thing to do, but there are others out there who need our help. We should be doing more. There's over 40 troopers down there. <clears throat> That's nothing. Get to the nearest container and grab what you can. <laughs> the priority is items of high value. Anything shiny or heavy is a start. I'd say that qualifies as high value. Majority of Dooku's fortune came from the many worlds he controlled and exploited. Starting to regret this! Keeper, so it was where they went after Dooku's treasure because Dooku's dead, and the Empire seized his treasure from his castle, and that was the heist. Okay, on episode we're gonna move on to episode two, and this is a continuation. So check it out. Our way out is down.
Keep it. And remember what I said. Oh, you all gave up everything because of me. Good thing we did. We might be fighting for the Empire right now. We made the right choice, Omega. I'd do it all again. You stated the would-be thieves you encountered were the rogue clones from Experimental Unit 99. Their squad perished during the fall of Tomoka City. Your intel was incorrect, sir. They're alive. If Governor Tarkin were to learn of my misstep, then I would be at risk. I will not falsify an official report. I will. Two was the feel-good episode. Having Omega learn that money is not the end-all, be-all, and they killed Captain Wilco because he wouldn't falsify a report, and that was a new thing with the Empire. Dog, dog, you gotta save yourself if anything comes up. Now we're gonna go to episode three of season two and this one is called the solitary soldier and this one shows you the transition from clones to star troopers check it out desix does not fall under imperial jurisdiction take your forces and leave
never an option. We both lived through one war. Let's not start another. We can resolve this without more bloodshed. Now execute her! Sir, I promised a peace... I didn't! Now execute her! So much for peace. Follow it, or face the consequences for dis- <laughs> the rest of them. Are we making the galaxy better? We do what needs to be done. You know what makes us different from battle droids? We make our own decisions, our own choices. We have to live with them too. Funny, isn't it? How these clones around you keep disappearing. That's the end of episode three, and that one shows you where they have no heart, and the clones are starting to realize that Order 66 was garbage, and they're voting to replace them with um, stormtroopers. So, Crosshair is by himself, and he's rethinking why he's alone and I think this season you'll show the change in Crosshair because he's noticing that more clones are disappearing alright moving on to our relationship section and why women don't listen uh, do most women listen do independent women listen but check out this clip Women have to understand this. Y'all are hard-headed. And women don't listen. Sometimes. That's a very likewise Why statement. Coming from a man saying hard-headedness, I'm just saying that's a very likewise statement. No, but it, doesn't, it <laughs> does not matter. What I'm trying to say is she had eight filled relationships. You're not going to sit here and convince me that it was not a safe space and guys don't like to talk. No, they're talking. She's not being receptive. Right? Everybody talks in different ways. If you have eight failed relationships, you don't know how to listen. You do not know how to take direction. And direction is not like, I don't want to put that in a submissive aspect, but taking direction, like maybe, hey, you know what? You need to just do this just this way so then that way you get further in your life. And guess what? Maybe she doesn't listen in that regard. Hey, if you want for me and you to be better, I need you to do this so then I could give you that. Maybe she's not listening in that regard. But women tend to not listen the ones that I believe jump from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. Women. Do you agree that women who jump from relationship to relationship don't listen to their partner? I don't know about that. Maybe they're not compatible. Maybe they just went to the sex stage and that's what happened. But I kind of do agree with one thing he says. If you don't listen to your partner, you won't progress in the the way that you want to or you need to if you just keep your head down and want things to be done your way things won't happen it might happen to you in the short term the long term that person will leave you okay uh check out this um conversation that men need to listen to you're trying to choose <coughs> the right woman especially a woman you can marry you 
And you've got to evaluate, can you enjoy her without sex? You, as a man, need to be intentional to give yourself a period of time where you take sex off the table. You've got to be able to see what you have here outside of that because a relationship is not going to be sex 24-7, all right? It's, it's probably one of the smallest percentages of time within the relationship if we're going to be real about this. So you're going to spend way more time talking to this woman. You're going to be spending way more time just chilling and hanging out with this woman. Can you enjoy that? A lot of men get with women, even marry women, never truly evaluating how much they enjoy her away from the intimacy. My question is, how long do you take sex off the table? How long do you take it off the table for... Uh, to get to know the lady. Two months, three months, six months, a year. Because most people say, most people say it doesn't take more than six months for a man to know if he wants to marry a woman. So, my question is to the group, how long do you think you should keep sex off the table in a relationship? Uh, email your responses to ninjas of another color at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at ninjas of another color, ninjas of another color on Instagram, or even hit us up on Facebook at ninjas of another color. What is your timetable of not having sex in a relationship? Me personally, it'd probably be three months, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but. He has a point that you should be able to enjoy your partner without sex. Alright. Another question or statement that was made. Check it out. Think this man played me. He was never serious. These men can't be trusted. And now your walls back up. But I'm here to tell you, in a lot of those situations, it wasn't that he was playing games. It's that you were never reciprocating his effort. You kept sitting back with walls up, demanding his effort, his effort for him to chase you, for him to keep doing for you. But you were not returning the love. You weren't returning the desire. You weren't showing appreciation. You weren't giving the same effort. And at some point, even the man who is serious about you will grow tired. He won't want to keep trying because now he has to fear that you're playing him. Does he have a point? If you go after someone who has their walls up and they don't listen to you, how long do you keep chasing? How long do you keep chasing that person? Do you keep chasing until you blow in the face? And then what happens after they let their guard down and you're not ready? Another question from the panel. How long do you chase? Hit us up on... Ninja for another color at gmail.com. We'll be part of a giveaway. All right, one more. Are men more attractive than women? Check it out. To attractive men is off. Take all the makeup off your face and post your face right after you get out the shower. That is how men have to walk around looking. I've made videos like this before, but I don't think y'all understand that most women, especially most attractive women, 
put on costumes before they leave the house. The hair in your head is not yours. If a man has bad skin, he just has to wear bad skin. He doesn't get to cover it up with a different color of foundation. Women contour their face to try and change the appearance of their bone structure. That is literally what makes you attractive or not. What your parents gave you. You camouflage that. Y'all change the color of your lips. Y'all wear waist shapers. Then slap three filters on after all of that and call yourself pretty. That's why you can go find so many beautiful women on the internet. There are just as many attractive men as there are attractive women. It's just that average women appear attractive. Is that true? Is there the number of attractive men of attractive women and have filters ruined? Uh, filters on the internet ruined women. So that's another question for the another question for our our panel. Again, we're having a Bluetooth giveaway for our hundredth follower. Please rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars. We are available on Spotify, Amazon, Samsung, Pandora. Google, tune in, and not Apple. And this comes to the end of our show. Today we've talked about Damar Hamlin, Skip and Shannon Beef, the Falcons, Bad Batch, NFL Playoffs, the blowout between UGA and TCU. Um, we got one more year of the college football playoff before it goes to 12 teams, so get ready. Uh, the new Ant-Man trailer and we talk relationships so uh, again hit us up rate us review us give us five stars give us four stars if you don't give us any stars we just assume that we're doing our best and as we leave you we leave you with Robo Jesus and have a good one Neutron must be stopped no matter the cost <laughs>
mercy, I beg of you, you...